0: Romans chapter 10, Lord willing, time willing, we're going to try to finish up uh, Romans chapter 10 this morning. And if you remember correctly how we've been building up to this point in Romans chapter 10, Romans chapter 9 was talking about this idea of Israel rejecting the gospel and the gospel going to the Gentiles. Remember, we're Gentiles. Anybody who's not Jewish is a Gentile. So the Jews rejected Jesus as their Messiah, so then the gospel came out to the Gentiles. So Romans 9 is this idea of Israel rejecting that. Romans 10 is that there's still a chance here for Israel. They need the gospel. And Romans 11 is what happens when Israel gets saved. And that's what we're going to be building up to here as we're continuing our study through the book of Romans. But To really understand this, and the reason we're so passionate about this concept of Israel getting saved, is you have to remember the idea of the Bible, especially when it comes to end times, so much of it centers around the Lord and Him working with Israel. We're living in this age right now where the focus is on the church, the body of Christ. And the church, the body of Christ, is predominantly obviously made up of Gentiles. So we kind of think it's all about us. Well, in Romans 11, Paul makes it pretty clear that, yeah, guys, it's not all about you as much as you think it is. God still has a special place for the Jews, and we need to remember that. And that's what we're building up to. But as we're talking about this idea of the gospel going out to the Jews, we're also then applying it to us personally. What does it mean for us to understand the gospel and to go out and share that with other people? And really, our springboard for this goes back to Romans 9, verse 1. I tell the truth in Christ, I'm not lying, my conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Spirit, that I have great sorrow and continual grief in my heart, for I could wish that I myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren, my countrymen, according to the flesh. And we did that study a few weeks ago, and, and it was really that passionate idea of Paul cared so much, cared so much about Israel, about the Jews, that he was basically saying, let me be accursed from Christ, let me be cut off from Christ, let me go to hell. If that would mean that Israel, if the Jews could be saved. And what a heart, what a passion. And so we then started studying that out. And it came to this point to really understand the gospel and to really share the gospel. You can't share the gospel until you have experienced the gospel. And when you personally have experienced what Jesus Christ does for you, that then spurs you on to go tell other people. If you're not really understanding what Christ has done for you, there's always going to be a part of you that says, well, what's the big point? Why would I go tell other people about it? And what happens is we get so stuck into living our lives that we forget this whole purpose of spreading the good news of Jesus Christ. Christ has so changed our lives that we want to go tell people about what he has done for us. And that's where we got to. If you look in Romans 10, verse 13, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. This idea that this salvation is open to anybody. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Well, how does one then hear about this? If, if, if it's, I have to call on the name of the Lord, well, where am I going to get this information about who Jesus is? Look at verse 14. How then they shall call on him in whom they have not believed. How shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. So remember how this all comes together. God has chosen us. God has called us. It's all based on grace. Ephesians 2:8 8, 9. For as by grace you have been saved through faith, not by works, That's any man should boast. So let's make this clear. God has chosen us. God has called us. Now God has chosen us to be used in the process of telling other people. He wants to use you. He has chosen to use you to help spread this message. Now, why did he do that? I honestly don't know. (laughs) Because we don't sometimes do a very good job with that, do we? In fact, in the book of Revelation, when the Lord wants to get the gospel message out to the world, he makes it clear he's just going to have angels flying over earth proclaiming the gospel. That's how he's going to get that message out. You know, so often, I look at me, and I look at what I've done for the Lord, and it's like, man, Lord, I've probably screwed up more than I've helped. Why do you want to do this? But as parents, don't we always want to be around our children? And we want our children to be working with us? That's something I struggle with. Because couldn't we do it quicker, more efficiently, and more effectively if we would do it by ourselves? Having a three-year-old help does not help in any way whatsoever. My, my three-year-old, Tyrus, he's got this little television show. he's this little cartoon he likes to watch. Some of you, if you've got little kids at home, may have seen it. It's called Daniel Tiger's Neighborhood, and he loves that show. So Daniel Tiger likes to be a helper. So he walks around the house, Tyrus does, and he talks about being a Daniel Tiger helper. So the other day, I was out in the garage. I was cleaning out the garage, working on that, and Tyrus wanted to be a Daniel Tiger helper with the garage. So I look over at him. He's got my big claw hammer. I don't know what he's planning on helping with that, you know? It's more work to watch out for him. It's more work to say, Tyrus, what are you doing? It's more work to say, Tyrus, put that down. I got less accomplished. It took longer. It was frustrating at some levels. But it's also pretty neat to see my little three-year-old out there wanting to be a Daniel Tiger helper. I think sometimes spiritually, the Lord looks at us and says, I could work better without you. I could be more efficient, more effective. And to be honest, sometimes you frustrate me but i like working with my children we have this wonderful place of privilege and responsibility when it comes to getting a chance to spread the gospel god has chosen to use us to do that so what does that look like well verse 14 how then they shall call on him and on whom they not believe how are people supposed to call on the name of the lord to be saved verse 13 If, verse 14, how they shall believe in him of whom they have not heard. So how am I supposed to call on the name of Jesus to be saved if I don't even know who Jesus is? And how am I supposed to know about Jesus, verse 14, if I don't have somebody preaching to me who Jesus is? Think about that. That's the responsibility we have of going out there and sharing that good news. Look at the wording here. There's words like call, to call on Christ, to believe on him. And as if you weren't with us last week, I'll hit it real quick. Believe does not mean just merely acknowledge that God exists. I believe in God. No, believe means to place your faith, your trust, your life in him. I've met very few people who actually do not believe in God. Almost everybody I've met who claims to be an atheist is really just a lukewarm atheist, you know. They kind of believe, they kind of don't, they really don't know. Most everybody believes in this concept of God, but that's not a belief unto salvation. That's just merely intellectually acknowledging there's a greater power than you. That's not what we're talking about. This is placing your life in them. This idea of hearing, they need to hear. They need to hear the gospel presented, and then someone needs to preach it to them. So let's talk about those words. We've talked about call. We've talked about believe last week. What about hearing? Hearing. Right now, you guys are hearing me speak. Now, some of you are listening and some of you aren't. But you're hearing me. I remember the first time I taught a Sunday morning in this building. I had taught before in the cafeteria at the school, taught before in the library. It was the first time I ever taught Sunday morning here. I filled in for Jim. And I remember teaching, and distinctly to my left over there, watching someone fall asleep as I'm teaching. You know, I'm constantly scanning the crowd, and and I've been teaching for 18 years now. I know when people are paying attention. I know when they're not. I know when people are doodling and it looks like they're taking notes. No one is that excited about what I said. Oh, my goodness, this is just the best thing ever. No, you're... (laughs) You're playing tic-tac-toe with your wife, you know? I mean, that's what you're doing. I've shared with you the story before of one time watching this gal fervently take notes and just, just constantly writing down through the whole message. And then afterwards, as we walked through the sanctuary to clean up, I saw where she was sitting, and she left the notes there, and I thought this was pretty cool. And she was actually just making a grocery list. So anyway, some people hear, but they're really not listening. How many people heard Jesus speak? How many really listened? How many times can you talk to someone and they can repeat verbatim what you just said, but they really didn't listen? You know, there's this passage that we always talk about. Having ears to hear, let them hear. And you've heard me say this before. If God says something once, you know it's important. If he says it twice, pay attention. If he's saying it three times, you really better be listening. That phrase, he who has ears to hear, let him hear, is mentioned ten times in the Bible. Because the point is, God is trying to tell you, are you really listening to me? Yes, Lord, I'm listening to you. I can quote to you the Ten Commandments. No, are you really listening? See, here's the thing. You can go out and share Christ with people, and they will listen and hear, but are they really going to let it impact their hearts? So they have to have ears to hear, and that's why it's so vital before you go out and share the Lord. Pray, be fasted, be ready, and say, Lord, let your spirit move in their hearts and life, so that way when you open a door for me, get a chance to share. The ground is prepared. And they have ears to hear what was really being said. So they need someone to preach it to them. Now, this term preaching, usually we look at preaching as kind of a derogatory thing. Don't preach at me, you know? That's not what the Bible word preach means. In the Bible, the word preach means to just proclaim. So when you're preaching about Jesus, it just means you're proclaiming who Christ is. We look at preaching as speaking down to somebody, I'm going to lecture you. That's not what the Bible is saying. The Bible uses the term teaching and preaching. What we're doing right now is we're teaching. We're taking God's word. We're applying it to our lives and hopefully going to grow in our walk and relationship with Christ. But there's also this other term of preaching where you're just proclaiming who Jesus is. If you go into work tomorrow and you're just going to talk about, hey, let me tell you about what the Lord did in my life this weekend. You're preaching. You're proclaiming Jesus. We think of preaching as saying, hey, let me tell you, you're going straight to hell. No. Preaching is just, let me tell you what the Lord's doing in my life. Let me tell you what God has done. I'm proclaiming what Jesus has done in my life. I'm going to preach that to you. So look at this beautiful system. People can call on the Lord. They can believe. They need to hear. We get to preach. But this system only works verse 15. And how shall they preach unless they are sent? Are people willing to do this? I'm going to be honest with you. In the church in America, people are not willing to be sent. They're not. Our lives are dictated by a calendar. Our lives are dictated by a work schedule. Our lives are dictated by our kids' activities. Our lives are not dictated by the Lord of this universe in any way whatsoever. We are not sent, we are not moved and compelled. On a regular daily basis to say, Lord, you have so impacted me with the gospel of Jesus Christ. I just want to go tell other people about it. The church in America is actually pretty fat and lazy for the most part. Why? Well, we can give ultimate reasons on why we don't share the gospel. I'm scared. I don't know what to say. I don't want to say the wrong things. The Lord hasn't given me any opportunities to. I think a lot of those are just excuses. I think what it really comes down to is you can't share the gospel until you have experienced the gospel personally. And for so many of us, we have experienced who Jesus is and we know his grace and mercy, but we're just too busy with life. Once again, this calendar dictates everything we do. I have this work schedule. I have these ball games. I have these appointments. I have this. Life is so all-encompassing that there's no time left to use for Jesus Christ. And did not Jesus hint to this in the parable of the sower and the seed, where he talks about the cares of this world, the cares of life, will choke you out? Are you honestly willing to be sent? Verse 15. Are you really willing to? And don't don't give the little quick answer, Of course I am, whatever the Lord has called me to do. Are you really willing to? Because I think what happens in the church today in America, most of our time and energy is spent trying to keep us comfortable. Let's just keep the church comfortable until Jesus returns. Did you realize the Lord moves in uncomfortable situations? That's how he moves and works. A lot of times when I see Christians, I believe what they have what I call a fort mentality. Let's make our fort as strong as possible, as solid as possible. Let's hide in the fort until Jesus returns. And let's just be safe. It's not about being safe. It's not about being comfortable. It's about being sent. And as I mentioned to you last week, what happens if the Lord wants to do something that doesn't make sense? What happens if the Lord said, I I want you to change jobs, I want you to move, I want you to start that ministry, I want you to start that Bible study. I want you to ignore your calendar and focus on Christ. Are you willing to be sent? We have to ask ourselves these questions. And if the Lord wants to move in our lives and he says, I want to use you, are we willing to be used? Boy, the more I study the Gospels, the more I see people constantly making excuses to Jesus. I mean, think about that one example of discipleship where Jesus called these guys and they had all the excuses. First, let me go bury my father. First, let me go say goodbye to the people at my house. First, let me then um, go look at this field I bought. It's just excuse after excuse after excuse. What did Jesus do? He said, Fine, and he moved on. What do we do in America? Oh, okay, it, it doesn't work for you here right now. Well, what works for you? Let me do everything I can to make you as comfortable as possible. Jesus's altar calls are very simple. Do you want to follow me? No, okay, I'm going to the next town. we got to be careful that we're not preaching a gospel of being comfortable in Christ. It's a gospel of you are saved by grace, grace alone. God has chosen you. God has called you. Now, are you willing to be used by him and to be sent by him? Remember, it's not what I do that shows I'm saved. I'm saved by what Christ did on the cross. But because I am saved, I hope that my life is a reflection of what Jesus did. And just just really ask yourself, are you willing to be sent? Because if you're not willing to be sent, I think you're going to walk around in a dryness and a bit of a spiritual emptiness. Because look at the next passage here in verse 15. How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. You know, if God calls something beautiful, I think we need to pay attention to that. God says, if you're spreading the gospel, you have beautiful feet. It's an interesting phrase. So I looked up the word beautiful to see what else the Lord calls beautiful in the Bible. And And he calls certain things beautiful. But when it's dealing with inanimate objects, he calls spreading the gospel beautiful, but he also calls praise and worship beautiful. I think that's fascinating. Because in Psalms, it's uh, Psalm 147, it talks about how praise is beautiful. Now, just think about that. From God's perspective, sharing the gospel and glorifying him are two things that he says are beautiful. I was just talking to a guy before the 830 service, and we were talking about the idea of praise and worship. And just this harsh reality... A lot of people don't have praise and worship throughout the week. Their praise and worship consists of maybe Sunday morning or Wednesday night. And that's the only time they're really stopping and praising the Lord. Think about that for a second. That's got to be a little empty, I would think. If God has created us for his glory and his purpose. And I love John 15, 8. Because I think it combines both things. That God has called us to be his disciples and he's glorified. He's glorified in us bearing fruit for him. So you see the idea of glorifying Him, worshiping Him, but you also see the idea of making disciples, that idea of bearing fruit. You combine those two things together. Psalm 147, Romans chapter 10, God believes the gospel being presented is beautiful. He believes praise and worship is beautiful. But yet, do we really think those two things are beautiful? I mean, do we really think that those two things are the most beautiful thing that can happen on this world? I don't know if we would believe that. You know what I think we would believe is beautiful? Double time at work. That's beautiful three-day weekend. That's beautiful. Our life consists of what we deem beautiful, something that impacts us. It's a beautiful day. The sun is shining. It's beautiful. Maybe we need to look at this from God's perspective, his perspective of beautiful, sharing the gospel and worshiping him. What would happen if you had a whole day planned, a whole day planned you were going to get this done around the house. You were going to do this outside. And you were going to get this day just full of complete with all these little things. You could lay in bed at night saying, look at what I accomplished. I have done good today. I like those days. What would happen if it was a day just full of spreading the gospel and worshiping the Lord? Isn't it interesting that God would call the second day more beautiful than the first day? Why well, didn't accomplish anything. Oh, yeah, you did. You accomplish things from God's perspective. I have really tried to train myself lately, before I even get out of bed, you've heard me say this before, committing my day in prayer to the Lord, saying, Lord, I am just a vapor. I'm a list guy. I like to make a list. This is who I need to contact. This is what I need to do. And I can make my day focused on that list. And then I will lay in bed at night saying, I accomplished this list. I feel good. What I'm really trying to train myself to do is, okay, Lord, what do you want me to do today? What is beautiful in your eyes? Worship? Spreading the gospel? Yeah, but Lord, I'm not getting anything done. Well, you're getting something done for eternity. And that's our focus where it needs to be. Just remember that God thinks it's beautiful when your feet are spreading the gospel. God thinks it's beautiful when you're taking time to worship. He appreciates your hard, good old work attitude. But he really thinks it's beautiful when you just worship him and tell people about him. So we get a chance to spread the gospel with well, an amen. Well, what about verse 16? But they have not all obeyed the gospel, for Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report. Verse 16 saying, not everybody's going to get it. I remember when I first got saved, I was going to tell everybody I met about Jesus, even if they didn't want to know about it. I was going to shove it down their throat. And I remember the first time I was rejected... I was at school. I was a junior in high school. And we were circled up on the floor, sitting beside people. And I was talking to this other classmate of mine. I was telling him about Christ. So I spread the gospel. i tell telling him about Jesus. And I said, do you want this? Do you want to get saved? He said, no. I didn't know what to say. I said, you don't want this? He goes, no. And I was just lost for it. I said, do you realize you're going to go to hell? He goes, yeah. Are you okay with that? Yeah. I had no idea what to do. Somebody could reject this? Why would anybody reject this? And now, 22 years later, probably been rejected more than been accepted. Because verse 16, not everybody's going to want it. Not everybody's going to obey. Lord, who has believed our report? It's not a numbers game. It's really just being willing. That's one thing I've noticed a lot with the Lord. You know, I used to think my walk with Christ was based on accomplishment. I read this much. I prayed this much. I shared this much. I did this much. And really what I'm starting to notice more is my walk with the Lord is just based on, Lord, I'm willing. I'm willing. Did Abraham have to kill Isaac to show his faithfulness? No, but Abraham was willing to. Are we willing to be sent? Are we willing to go out? Am I willing to proclaim? Am I willing to say, Lord, I'm okay with being uncomfortable? Because you are my Jehovah Jireh, and you will meet every one of my needs. So, how do we do this then? Verse 17, so then faith comes by hearing, and by hearing the word of God. This verse is just so vitally important to me. I absolutely love this verse. Faith comes by hearing, and by hearing the word of God. You want to grow in your faith, and your relationship with Christ. It is vital that you understand, and are part of God's word. You can't do it on your own. You can't. It has to be focused on the Word of God. This is a pet peeve of mine. I'm not picking on any ministry, pastor, church. I don't mean it that way, but so often you see churches that say they preach the Bible and what they mean is they say one verse and then the pastor talks for a half hour. I firmly believe, I love the verse by verse, chapter by chapter. Let's just get into the Word of God and just talk about it because faith comes by hearing and by hearing the Word of God. Do you know what this means? Let's just flip this around for a second. That means if we're not in the word of God, your faith isn't growing. Do you ever think about that? We used that example earlier about worship. How sad it would be if that's the only time of worship people had. How sad would it be if this is the only time that people are in the Bible all week? And then they wonder why their walk with the Lord is is not a walk, it's a crawl. Because faith comes by hearing and by hearing the word of God. Now just be careful with this. Don't start turning into your time in the Word of this legalistic have-to homework. That's not what we're talking about. And I've run into Christians that do that. I read this much a day. I make sure I'm up every day at this time. It's not a legalistic have-to homework. It is a desire to say, Lord, you move through your Word. You speak through your Word. I want that. But are we willing to let our calendar go a little bit to make time? It always fascinates me when someone comes up to me and they tell me how busy are. They, they don't have time for devotions. They have time to eat. They have time to bathe. They have time to watch TV. Joshua's marching orders before he took over for Israel, being in charge of millions of people, God's orders to him, do not let this book of law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so you'll be careful to do what you can in it. Do you know the kings of Israel, before they became king, they were required to write out their own hand copy of the law to remind them of what the law was. I remember years ago, I was doing counseling with a gal and she was struggling with something. So she came, we met, I gave her all these passages, go home, read these, pray these, study these, meditate over these. This is how the Lord moves and works. His word will not return void. Came back the next week. How'd the week go? Huh? not that great. What'd you think of those passages I gave you? I didn't read them. Man, that's all I got. I've come to the conclusion if somebody's struggling, I send them a verse. I send them God's Word. My words are empty. God's words are powerful. What is so amazing about God's Word? If you're a note-taker of three points, you've got a section there in notes. First one, Isaiah fifty-five eleven. Isaiah fifty-five eleven. God's Word will not return void. It will not. God's Word will accomplish the purpose it was sent out. You're going to hear me talk this morning for a half hour, 40 minutes. And if I would call you up tomorrow at noon and say, Name one point I made. Some of you would be like, Um... I know you taught the book of the Bible. What book did I teach out of on Sunday? I believe we're in Hebrews. I'm used to it. I know that. I get that. The guy that I mentioned earlier that fell asleep the first Sunday I taught back 15, 20 years ago, whatever it was, about 20 plus years ago, he shook my hand and said, great message. It's like, what did you get out of it, man? You know, you were sleeping. You couldn't even keep your head to make... You know, some people can do the fake sleep, and it's, like, pretty good. And I'm, like, out here, like, man, I think they are. I'm trying to pay attention, you know. Like, okay, spirit, hold off for a second. got to see if this person's asleep. Other people, they don't... I mean, heads back, you know. They're just (laughs) mouth open, drool, snore. I mean, they don't even care. They don't even care. My words return Void. My words return void. I, I've reached the point now, sometimes when I'm counseling people, and it may come across as rude, and if I say it to you, I'm not being rude. My words now are like, you know what, the best thing you can do is get off the phone and just go pray and spend time in the Word. What, what am I gonna tell you? Well, I feel better talking to you. No, you'll feel better spending time with the creator of the universe. So I'll give you some passages, I'll pray for you, and I love you, and I'll encourage you, but it's really gonna be you and Jesus. That, that's really what it comes down to. God's word does not return void. If you are in a situation and you were just completely overwhelmed by this person. You don't know what to say. You have no advice. You have no counsel. I mean, seriously, you were just completely overwhelmed. Give them Scripture, and let the Lord just move in it. I don't even know what Scripture to give them. You can't go wrong. Go read Ezekiel 36. I don't even know what it says, but just go read it. God will move through it. God's Word doesn't return void. What I do is I have a list of Scriptures that are what I call pretty good, all-encompassing passages. And I got them marked, and so therefore, if somebody comes up and they're struggling with worry, okay, worry, here's this verse. Okay, peace. Let me give you John 14. Okay, peace of mind. I'll give you Isaiah 26. God's word does not return void. Let me just stress this to you. Your words will return void, empty. Your words are meaningless unless they are fueled with the Holy Spirit and in the foundation of God's word. You are not that eloquent. I'm not that eloquent. It's God's word. That's the first point. Why is God's word so powerful? Psalm 138, verse 2. Psalm 138, verse 2. God honors, God magnifies his word above his name. Think about that. If God is making a hierarchy list, he puts his word above his name. Think of the power of the name of God. I I think of this one passage. Remember when they came to arrest Jesus in the garden and they said, Are you Jesus of Nazareth? And remember his response was just simply, I am. And the Bible says that when he said, I am, all the soldiers got knocked down. That's the name of God. I am. Think about in Philippians. Every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That's the power of the name of God. God is saying in Psalm 138, I put my word above that. If God's word is that powerful, why is this not a sword that we are using on a daily, regular basis? The last point about God's word, Hebrews 4 verse 12. Hebrews 4 verse 12, God's word cuts, cuts right to the heart. You could listen to me speak for a half hour, 40 minutes. I don't know what you're going through. You came in here this morning, you look like you're paying attention. You you're like you're maybe getting something out of it. Some of you may have some awful, hidden, unconfessed sins in your life that you're just hiding. I don't know that. God's word does though. So as I read through these passages, all of a sudden there's something that cuts right to your heart. Now, I have no idea what that is, but the Lord does. His word is a knife. It's a surgical tool that goes right into the areas that need to be cut, that convict us and that tell us this isn't right and this needs to be worked on. That's why it's God's word. That's why when you are counseling somebody, you give them the word of God. That's why when you're witnessing, you give them the word of God. That's why when someone is struggling, you give them the word of God. Because God's word will not return void. It is honored above his name and it cuts. Remember those three points. It has to be the Word. Faith comes by hearing and by hearing the Word of God. If you want your faith in the Lord to grow, get into the Word. And as you get into the Word, do not treat it as a have-to, a homework, or a legalistic. Look how much I read. Lord, I want you to use this today to speak to my life, to give me guidance and direction. So does that mean what happens when somebody doesn't hear? Verse 18, but I say, have they not heard? Yes, indeed, their sound has gone out to all the earth. And their words to the ends of the world. Well, what happens to the people that don't hear? I run into this a lot. That I have a hard time with Christianity, I have a hard time with God, because I find it difficult to believe in a God that would allow somebody in Africa or South America or Australia that's never heard the gospel, and since they've never heard the name Jesus, that they die and go to hell. I don't think that's very fair. My response is, I don't think that's very fair either. And I would agree with you. I would not want to worship a God like that. Because that's not my God. So what type of God do we serve? We serve a God that's told me right here in verse 18, their sound is going out to all the earth and the world, to so the ends of the world. God's word is getting out there. Now, if I'm feeling a bit sassy, sometimes I say to the people that come up to me and say that, well, what are you doing to go tell the person in Africa than about the Lord? It's amazing how frustrated I am with God that people in Africa are dying without hearing Jesus. Well, why don't you go do something about it? I had a guy one time that I was witnessing to. Two, he had a hard time believing in God because what happened if there were aliens on Mars and they never heard the gospel of Jesus? Oh, for crying out loud. (laughs) Go join NASA and go to Mars then. (laughs) Don't come back. Um, Those are rabbit trails. Those are deflections. Because what I've noticed is once you shoot down that argument, well, I have a hard time believing in God that allows little kids to get cancer. It's just deflections. It's just, this is just what they. Listen, do you want to know about Jesus? Because I'll tell you about Jesus. If you want to talk about the people in Africa that don't know about Jesus, we could talk about that some other time. But where are you going to go when you die? But let's talk about those people. Because the Lord has just told me that the word has gone out. How has the word gone out? Well, the word's gone out through you guys. In one way, we support Gospel for Asia. You know what Gospel for Asia is doing? They're sending missionaries over to Africa. Asia, to tell people about the Lord. There was an opportunity that popped up where someone came up and presented to us a a study Bible for the nations of Africa, and the church supported that, helping the gospel go out there. Okay, but what about those people that are in the middle of the wilderness and all this other type of stuff? Well, let me give you two examples in the Bible of how the Lord divinely took care of people. First one is uh, Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. If you remember correctly, the story from the book of Acts. Philip is ministering. The Holy Spirit says, go out into the desert, the wilderness. Philip goes out into the desert, the wilderness. He sees the Ethiopian eunuch's chariot. And the Spirit says, go talk to the person in that chariot. So Philip does. And what does Philip do? He tells him about Christ. God-ordained, Holy Spirit-led. Or what about Peter and Cornelius? Peter has a vision. Cornelius has a dream. God brings these two people together. And next thing you know, here they are. I firmly believe... That the Bible shows me and teaches me that if somebody wants to know about Jesus, God will divinely arrange a meeting between someone to proclaim Jesus to them and the heart that wants to know. I firmly believe that. I firmly believe there is somebody in this world that is looking up at the sky at night and sees the stars and the moon, and they say, there's got to be something bigger than me out here. I wonder what that is. I don't think the Lord up in heaven is saying, I would love to send somebody to him, but I have nobody. God will divinely bring those people together. Now, the question comes up, are you willing to be sent? And I don't mean sent to Africa or South America or Australia. If that's what the Lord's laid on your heart, that's fine. I'm all for missions. Do you realize how many people here in northwest Ohio need to know about Jesus? That's a pretty big mission field around here. Are you willing to be sent? Are you willing to take yourself out of the comfort zone that you're in and say, Lord, whatever you lay on my heart, I am willing to do for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because I want my feet to be beautiful, presenting the gospel, and I want my mouth to be beautiful and proclaiming the praises of who you are. I want to do what John 15, 8 says, By this my Father is glorified when you produce much fruit, and by this you are my disciples. That's what I want to do. But for me to do that, I have to passionately care about what Christ has done in my life first. And when you really start to understand what the Lord has done in your life, then you're going to want to tell everybody else about what he's doing. You want to preach it. You want to proclaim it. But if you're not moved by what Jesus has done in your life, why would I want to read more? Why would I want to pray more? Why would I want to go tell people about it? I mean, I love Jesus, I love the Lord, it's great and all that type of stuff. Man, when you really realize what the Lord has done, it just moves you. and as it moves you, you're like, "I can't. I can't sit still. I can't be the same. Not because of my works. So I'm want to make that abundantly clear. It's not because of what I do, but because of what the Lord has done in my life. I just want things to be different. And I'm willing to stop and say, Lord, it is no longer my schedule. It's no longer my calendar. It's no longer my life. I am here. You use me in whatever capacity or way you called me. And I just want to do it. I just want to do it. Not, I'll try to schedule it in. Not, oh, boy, this is a busy week with the kids. This is what I've noticed for Dawn and I. The busier the week, the more the Lord will ask of us to say, am I really number one? Do not become the Christian That pushes God off to the side. Let's just get through this month. This is a really busy month. And once we're done with this month, Lord, whatever you... Oh, come on. Right here, right now, today. Lord, what can I do for you? Not because I have to, but because I want to. And when you have that mindset, all of a sudden you start seeing this is the beauty of spreading the gospel. This is the beauty of praising and worshiping Him. This is the beauty of saying, Lord, I am called to be a proclaimer of truth and preaching. And now I have a purpose my purpose is not check one more day off the calendar, complete one more event, do one more day of work. That's not my purpose. My purpose is this. Then all of a sudden it's like, Wow, Lord, I get it. I get it. I'm not hiding in the fort. I'm out there, Lord, whatever you call me to do. And I'm willing to put my life on hold for that. Jim, if you want to come forward here for the final song. Let's pray.